Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. It's an exciting word that I have for you tonight. You know, this idea of raising the standard sparks something in our hearts. It should bring with it a measure of excitement, a measure of expectation, and that's what I hope you'll be filled with this uh, during this message. So as Pastor Andreas mentioned, I'm drawing straight from Isaiah 59:19, following on from what he shared last week. Concerning where it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Now, if you are in your Bibles and you're reading New King James, you'll see that the comma there for in that sentence comes in after the word flood. But if you're reading the NIV, you will find that the comma is in a different place. Uh, if you read the original, you will find that some translations have that comma in a different place. Where that comma often is put is, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. It is, we're talking about a powerful force here. And this is what I want us to have in our hearts and minds today. When we talk about raising the standard, we talk about the power and the force of the Spirit of God. It says there, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up the standard. And it's like a flood. A standard comes in and it is set and there is nothing that can prevail against it. <clears throat> the New Living Translation says, For he will come like a raging flood tide driven by the breath of the Lord. Wow! Driven by the breath of the Lord. So we're talking here about a spiritual standard for spiritual people. Natural people can deal with things in the natural world, but what we're talking about here is that spiritual people deal in spiritual things and the power of the Spirit that works in us to raise up the standard. And as much as this verse is prophetically speaking about Jesus, it applies just as much to you and I as the Church of Christ today. We are the people of God, sent by God, driven by the breath or the Spirit of the Lord to raise up the standard against the enemy, to set the standard wherever it is that God has placed us, in our families, in our workplaces, in whatever situation we are in. So let me just quickly break down for you what is a standard so that we're all on the same page and then we'll begin talking about some practical ways that we can raise and set that standard in our own hearts and lives. So number, first thing I want to say is a standard is a set measurement or example. If you think of a ruler, a ruler has clearly defined I'm sitting in my garage, so right here I have a tape measure. A tape measure is a standard. It sets out the measurements. This one is a proper tape measure. It is metric. It's in centimeters and meters, not inches and quarters and all kinds of funny other things that you Americans go on about. It's, a, it's the standard. And it is set. It is constant. Uh, and I want to say that for us, when God talks about raising the standard, He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the standard. He sets the mark, and He is the one 
that we are to compare ourselves against and to measure ourselves against. Our hopes, our dreams, our expectations, our moralities, our, our passions, everything ought to be measured up according and to the standard. Jesus set the standard. And when Jesus lived on this earth, He raised the standard. How did He raise the standard? Well, if you read, especially the book of Matthew, you'll see Jesus again and again and again. He says, You have heard it said, the law of Moses, he said, it was the standard. You shall not commit murder. But I say to you, he who hates his brother has already committed murder in his heart. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that he who looks after another woman and, and lusts after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What was Jesus doing? He was taking the status quo, the standard, and he was raising the standard to another level. He was taking, now hear me here, he was taking a physical, worldly standard, the physical act, and raising it, elevating it, and making it a spiritual standard. That is hugely important. These are spiritual standards that God is wanting us to raise in this time and this season. Our spiritual nature, our spiritual character must go up to another level. We're not just talking about physical things here. That's what Jesus was trying to do when he raised the standard. He said, I want you to come up to where I am and start thinking the way I'm thinking. That is what it means to raise the standard. The thing we see about a standard is that a standard is constant. It does not change. It does not waver. It is not up one day and down the next. A meter is a meter on a Monday and it's a meter on a Saturday. A gallon is a gallon in the daytime. A gallon is a gallon in the nighttime. A standard is set. And therefore, to raise the standard means that we model our lives after that set standard. So what does a standard do? We've discussed what a standard is and that it is constant. But there are two things that a standard does, and these are also vitally important to understand. Number one, a standard stands. <laughs> it's constant. It stands. A standard ought to bring us out of our comfort zone. It ought to demand something more of us. You know, when I became married, my wife raised the standard. She expected and demanded more of me, not because she's a demanding woman, but simply by her presence. More was demanded of me. I couldn't be selfish and just live for myself anymore. I needed to give more of myself away. With each child of mine that was born, the standard was raised. More was expected of me. I had to give more of myself. And I want to say to you today that Jesus, His presence and the presence of the Spirit in our lives raises the standard for us. And it stands. We are called to stand in that new standard. To stand. You know, Americans, you are very patriotic. You, you raise up the American... So many people raise up the American flag outside their homes. What is that? The American flag is the standard. It represents so many things. And it's, people raise the flag to say, this is the standard that we're living up to. These values, these norms, this dream, all of those kinds of things. And in the same way, Christ causes us to stand, to stand on His truth. But the other thing that a standard does is it withstands. So a standard brings us to a place and then it keeps us in that place. It keeps on standing. 
In South Africa, we have a, a, a body, a government body called the SABS, the South African Bureau of Standards. And what they do is they test the quality of items that are produced for the market and they test them to see what they can withstand and thereby determining their quality. Your strength as a believer is, de is not determined by how, how, how bright you can stand or how strong you can stand when everything is well. Your strength as a believer is measured by what you can withstand, by what you can endure, by what you can take and keep on standing. And in this time and this season, folks, in the time that lies ahead for the church, the, 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 the body of Christ is going to be measured. The standard has been raised. It has been set in place by Jesus Christ. Those who stand in Him are those who have obeyed His Word and live according to the Word. They are those who are established in the rock. They will withstand the storms of life as they come because they have established the standard of strength, the standard of the kingdom within their own lives. But those who haven't will fall and crumble. So raising the standard in our lives means that we must increase what we are able to withstand. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Now we're going to read a portion of scripture that I'm sure you're quite familiar with. It has to do with the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 through to verse 18. And I'm reading from the New King James. This is what it says. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand there we see the word again stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places remember i said to you this is a spiritual standard for spiritual people therefore take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We see that word coming over and over again. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we see again and again that word stand, withstand, and it's all about the standard. I mean, the word is right in there. Armor, as we understand, is designed to protect you. It stops things from getting to you. Likewise, the attributes of the armor of God are a spiritual armor. They like a spiritual force field and they have actual spiritual power to protect and to guard you that you may stand and withstand everything that goes on around you. Folks, peace is not a passive thing. Peace is a force. In the midst of the anxiety and the fear that is going on around you, if peace were passive, it would be overcome. No. 
Peace is a spiritual force that overcomes fear and anxiety. Righteousness is a force. Salvation is a force. Truth. Truth is not just some amorphous thing that is out there. Truth is a force. It is a standard. And that is why God hates lies and deceit. Bible speaks very strongly against a deceitful person. You know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. That means that truth has the power to liberate you from lies and deceit, from the power and the hold that the enemy has through his deception. And it has also the power to keep you free. Truth is an incredibly powerful thing when we embrace it and believe it and build our lives upon it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a force. It changed your life. It changed my life. Faith. Faith is a force. And the Spirit of God and the Word of God were talking about things that carry within them tremendous spiritual power. Spiritual force that overcomes the enemy, that overcomes weakness. So what is God saying when He says, I want you to raise the standard? He says, I think so often we, we interpret that kind of word of saying, oh, well, maybe I'm not good enough. I need to do better. I need to be more. God is simply calling us up to where He is, the place He has already positioned us through Christ Jesus. However, because of our thinking, because of our own understanding, we often wallow and remain far below the, the levels that God has brought us up to. Jesus simply wants to call us up and bring us up to where He is and fill us with the fullness of His Spirit. Every single one of these attributes, like I said, are spiritual forces. Sorry, that's not my stomach, that's a motorbike outside. Are spiritual forces and they're said to maintain the standard of Christ. The standard of Christ in our lives. Here's the way the message puts this. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. I love that. There's something practical and powerful in them. You see, you cannot raise an ex a standard externally. We cannot be more for Jesus until we have changed. Until these things have become inculcated into who we are. And this is now what I want to talk about. What are some of the practical ways that we can raise up the standard within our own hearts and lives? That we can bring our lives to the place where Jesus is? Well, I want to start with what somebody mentioned last week. One of the, very, one of the practical ways that we raise the standard of Jesus Christ in our lives is through praise, worship, and thanksgiving. It is something very practical. Praise and worship establishes that standard and it establishes God's lordship in our lives. Now, I'm not talking about just singing a song. I am talking about engaging with God personally. I'm talking about practicing the presence of God. Praise acknowledges God's greatness. It's the standard. It calls it out. It sets it there. It raises the flag. That's what praise does. Worship according, is about adoring and opening our hearts to Him, acknowledging His Lordship so that that standard can be reflected in our own hearts. And what thanksgiving does is it expresses gratitude for who He is, for what He has done, and in so doing, it feeds our faith. It feeds our faith. Nothing feeds your faith like gratitude. The Word of God gives us faith, but gratitude feeds our faith. 
And so what that does is it raises our level of expectation and it raises our level of experience of the presence and the nature of Jesus Christ. Number two, one of the ways we raise the standard is through putting God's words into our mouths. You see, the word in our hearts, the word that God puts in our hearts, is both seed for us to grow by, as well as seed for us to sow by. The word of God is a powerful thing. I want to read you something. The next few scriptures, I'm, I'm, for the sake of time, I'm not going to ask you to turn to them, because I want to go through a few scriptures now. You write down the references and you can study these in your own time. But let me read this to you about the words and the thoughts of God from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 to 11. God says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. So let's just pause there for a moment. So God is saying, You think the standard is here? You haven't got a clue. I want to bring you to the spiritual place, which is way beyond what you can ask, think, or even imagine. Verse 9. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground and water it. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. Folks, the words of God have, to, have the power not only to bring about change within you, to change your idea of who God is, of who He has made you to be, to give you a new perspective. But the words of God also have the power to bring about change through you. When you begin to speak God's words over your life, your life will begin to take on that nature and, the, and, and begin to look like what you are speaking over your life. When you begin to speak God's words over your marriage, over your children, over your business, those words have the power to bring the life of God into that situation. Proverbs 18.21 says, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit you choose. In other words, life and death is in the power of the tongue. If you want to begin raising your, the standard of God in your life, begin speaking His words over you. I am not afraid. I am more than a conqueror. Starts. I am a son of the Most High God. I am filled with the Spirit of God. Let me give you an example. Years ago, I was struggling to know, you know, wondering in, in a position of leadership, how do I counsel people? How do I pastor people? How do I shepherd people? Until God took me to uh, a portion of Scripture in, in the book of Isaiah. And uh, it, the, the, the portion of Scripture basically says, I have given you the tongue of the learned. You shall know how to speak a word of truth or a word of encouragement to him who is weary and you'll know what to do at the, to say at the right time is the gist of the verse. And I began con confessing that over my life. I began saying, I have, thank you Lord that I have the tongue of the learned, that you have given me the word of encouragement for him who needs it when he needs it. I receive it, I thank you for it, I trust you for it. Guess what started happening? I began to enter a place where my heart was open and expectant for God to move through me to speak into people's lives. And I began walking in a different dimension of that. How did that begin? By believing the words of God. So they had to change me. And then I began to put His words into my mouth. And speak them into my situation. Until what I saw began to mirror and, cop and, and look like 
the things that God was speaking to and through me. Number three, how do we raise the standard of God in our lives? It's not good enough to just know the Word or to speak the Word. Number three, we need to act on the Word of God. You know, we're familiar with James 2, 14 to 17. I'll read it for you again. This is from the message. It talks about faith. It says, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this life if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? It's not enough to say what we believe. We need to act on it. Jesus gives an incredible example when he talks about the parable of the, the, the wise and the foolish builder. The foolish, the wise builder, the one who built his house on the rock, who not only heard the word, but he acted on the word. He did the word. But then he said the foolish one, the foolish ones are like those who hear the word, but don't act on it. James says that those who hear the word, but don't do it, deceive themselves. What does that mean? That means that we think because we know something, the power of that, the, that truth is at work in our lives. Folks, any truth, no matter how powerful it is, if it is not applied, if it is not worked out, if it is not acted upon, holds no power. You see, we measure other people according to their actions, but we measure ourselves according to our intentions. <laughs> that is a grave mistake. It is the foolish man who judges himself according to his intentions. No, no, no. Jesus didn't intend to save the world. He came down and he saved the world. He hung on that cross. He set the standard. It's not good enough to wish good. It's not good enough to think good. You need to act on those thoughts as well. That's number three. Number four, another way we raise the standard is through spirit-led prayers. And, and here I'll read to you a portion of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 12 to 16. It's one of my favorite portions of scripture because it always calls me up to something that is higher than myself. Paul's writing here says, Now we have received, that's you and me as believers, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in men's wisdom, uh, sorry, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. There you have it again. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who has known the mind of God? Well, the Spirit of God has. And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. In other words, within your heart, that standard abides. And if we will pray Spirit-led prayers, pray in the Holy Spirit, guess what's going to happen? Our minds are going to open up to Scripture, to the Spirit of God, to the wisdom and the, and the knowledge of God, which is way above and beyond what we can understand. Remember, His knowledge is up there. 
How do we get that knowledge? How do we attain it? it it's, it's important to read the Bible and to know God's Word. But the knowledge we're talking about here is not just head knowledge. We're talking about revelation knowledge, spiritual knowledge that comes to us as we engage with the Spirit of God. Praying in the Spirit, praying the Word of God, what that does is it opens our hearts and minds to revelation knowledge that can elevate us up to the thoughts and open us up to the thoughts and the mind of God. Two more. There's, one, there's, there's two more things that I want to mention. Another way that we raise the standard in our lives is by sharing that which we've got. One of the armor of God is the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Anybody will tell you. I mean, I remember the days when Stephen began lecturing at Bible school. Peter, you'll attest to the same thing. Michael, you'll attest to the same thing. It's one thing to sit under great teaching and to learn. But the moment you take the position of teacher, you learn ten times as much. You learn so much more by teaching and sharing what you have learned with others than you do by simply receiving it. It becomes a part of who you are when you begin to pour it out. And so one of the ways that we begin to raise the standard of Christ in our lives is by sharing that which He has put into our hearts. Sharing it with other people. Sharing the good news. And finally, the final step or the final uh, point that I wanted to make some, is, is one of the ways to raise the standard of God, our character to match that of Jesus in our lives, is through submission to God-ordained spiritual oversight. Submission to God-ordained spiritual oversight. See, folks, what we're talking about here is character development. This is not so, so much as, who you, as, as, as what you do. It is about who you are. When you change who you are, what you do will naturally change. Jesus didn't come to give us works. He came to make us like himself. Now, to become a standard, we need to submit to those who exemplify the standard, who have gone before us, who understand what it takes, who have paid the price, and whose lives we can look at as an example. You know, uh, when, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, you know, when you choose people to be elders in the church, choose people who have a good report, who have, a good, who have set a good example that others can follow. Paul says it this way, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, I want you to pattern your lives after me as I pattern mine after Christ. It's an incredible thing. You see, Jesus said this, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Spiritual oversight helps us because they can see in us that which we cannot see for ourselves. Because we're immature. We haven't walked the journey they've walked. God is speaking to them because they're praying for you. And they're the God's, God's designated oversight in your life. God will speak things through them to you uh, that, that He won't speak through anybody else. Because that is God's designated oversight. If you allow yourself to be coached by them, you will grow. Their job is not to be your buddy. Their job is to help you grow spiritually. I mean, Pastor Frank always says, he may be friendly, but he ain't your friend. Why? Because I can't be too familiar with this person because then, no, then he can no longer correct me. Folks, God corrects his children. And he sets men and women in place within the body of Christ to correct his children. Why? Because if you never get corrected, you stay on your plateau and the standard that you have set and considered to be normal. 
God sends us people with authority in our lives to correct us so that He can raise the standard in us. It's like a sports, a runner, an athlete. You know, a coach knows how to get you to where you need to be. His job is to point out your weaknesses and to help you overcome them through practices, through disciplines, whatever. He's not interested in your opinion and he does not need your advice. What he expects is obedience. Why? Because he is doing what he is doing for your benefit. Folks, let me close with these sayings and then we can have a time of sharing. Jesus Christ is our standard. He abides within us. He has given himself to us freely and completely. And he has called us to be Christ to the world around us. You are the only Jesus some people are ever going to see. You are the only one in some people's lives that will be able to demonstrate what the love and the nature and the mercy of God looks like in a practical way. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul writes in chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus set the standard. You need to think according to the same standard. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Yes, even the death of the cross. I actually want to read a little bit further than I put in my notes here. Bear with me for a second. Uh, come on now. He goes on to say this. Therefore, in other words, because Christ was willing to humble himself in this way, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name. He took him from one level of glory to another. He elevated the standard again that the name of Je that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those on earth, of those in heaven, and of those under the earth. Folks, he established a standard there when God did that. When Jesus walked on this earth, not every knee bowed to him. Come on. Today, not every knee bowed to him. But in the spirit realm, God established for all eternity the kingship and the power and the lordship of the name of Jesus. And he declared that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That image abides within you and me. Folks, when God raised up the standard in this world, he sent his son Jesus into the world to represent him. And likewise today, God raises the standard in exactly the same way by sending his born again in the image of Christ sons and daughters into the world to represent him. Folks, you can read your Bible cover to cover and you will see that God never promised you a good life or an easy life. God promises you his life, his full life, his overcoming life, his blessed life, his peaceful life. And by the power of his spirit, he brings us into it. And this is the call that is in the heart of God in this time and season. He is calling his sons and daughters up to that standard, that standard of Christ, that standard of liberty and freedom, that standard of peace and authority and power in the name and authority of Jesus, that we would be his representatives and his ambassadors in this world, demonstrating his love, 
demonstrating His power and demonstrating His grace to our loved ones within the church and to the world around us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.